right, check, check. You got to, like, talk into the mic. Right up to my face, like, yeah, oh, yeah. We're getting right into it, yeah. food. (laughs) And this is a hot topic. I'm going to tell you it's hot. It is a hot topic. It's a really hot topic. If it was so hot of a topic, all the snow would be melted and it wouldn't be a topic. You got to wait for that. You got to wait to see that. You got to save all that material. That's good material right there. Welcome to episode four of Waves. And we're doing something a little bit different today. We're going to have a little bit of a shorter episode. Right, yeah, Josh? We're, yeah, we're looking at doing a little bit of a shorter episode that's just going to kind of be in between those longer episodes and kind of introduce some of the the people that work around the city of Kenora and kind of what they do and some of the, the topics that we want to talk about and try and keep everyone informed. Yeah, so we're still going to look at doing some deeper dives on some other topics, but for today... We're just going to keep it short and sweet, and we are very excited to welcome back Kevin Gannon in studio today, and like Josh said, we are discussing a very hot topic, and that is snow removal in the city of Kenora. So welcome, Kevin. Thank you very much. Before we get uh, into the the, the topic of snow clearing, can you just uh, introduce yourself? Who are you? Kind of what you do for the city? Uh, my name's Kevin Gannon. I'm the uh, Director of Engineering and Infrastructure Services, and I've uh, been fortunate to join this wonderful team uh, this July. Nice. So snow removal. Today is a very, very cold day in the city of Kenora, and it is coming on the heels of another major snowfall event that we had earlier this week. And so we thought it would just be interesting to have you join us and talk a little bit about I guess, everything that goes into the removal of snow, which is not really something that I guess I've ever really thought too much about before. And so we thought it would be interesting to have a conversation about the process and how it works and and everything that people should know about it. But they were maybe always too afraid to ask. Yeah, and I think one of the big questions for me is, is what kind of happens before the snowfall hits? Well, there, there's a lot that's involved when we look at a program. You know, planning for the winter's events obviously start a lot sooner than actual winter. It starts with the development of uh, bylaws and, and policies and ensuring that, you know, we have an understanding of these service levels and uh, the budgetary requirements in order to perform our tasks. Then there's other collaborations with uh, other departments like fleet to ensure that our equipment is maintained and and taken care of. Uh, Initiatives are are put in place to ensure any repairs are required. Uh, Ordering of material. So it all starts actually before we even get any snowfall. So this year, making like some projections then, like early in the year, I guess like in your mind, you say, okay, we're planning for this much snow, like hypothetically, we're allocating budget and we're acquiring, when you say material, like I'm assuming you mean things like sand. sand. Absolutely. There's, there's modeling and historical data that we use to see on where we're at. And we ensure that there's adequate funding and reserves when, you know, you get an anomaly of a year that you have uh, a lot more work that's required in order to be able to accomplish the task and, and provide those levels of service. But our environment's changing. 
uh, for many different reasons. Mm -hmm. And what has been known as the norm is no longer the norm. Mm -hmm. So we're looking at different parameters and trying to find out um, how we do our business and how we can do it better, no matter what type of uh, level of event we do get. It can be taxing on staff. Uh, it can be taxing on on our customers. I, I don't know if you've ever seen the uh, weather, but uh, uh, it seems like it's not always as accurate as it could be. So, you know, we're, we're, best, we're planning. It's the, it's the best job in the world, I tell you. You can be wrong a million times, but as long as you put 10% in there, you're good. <laughs> uh, absolutely. So changing, you know, shift requirements in order to maximize people and and resources and and, and trying to lead up to this planning really, uh, you know, my hat goes off to the team to adapt to these individual events and and come forward to provide the services they do within the, within the city. They do a fantastic job. Mm-hmm. So, so no. No, it's, so my, it's my turn to finally no, talk. No, but I have a burning question. Oh, okay, okay. If it's burning, will it melt some of that snow out there? Well, <laughs> we can only hope. We can only hope. We did say it was a hot topic. So, okay, I, I just want to run through an example because we had a crazy blizzard earlier this week, you know, prior to recording this episode. Can you walk us through what that looks like for yourself and your team leading up to a major snowfall event? What did the few days ahead of that look like? Well, it it really looks at the strategizing and, and planning. And uh, unfortunately, there's only so much planning that you can do uh, to ensure that you're ready for a storm. Uh, I don't think anybody was ready for us to have uh, sleet or rain this mm-hmm. uh, this past event. So we've had to adjust our operations on the fly when when it changes to uh, those parameters. Um, and if you could just imagine if you if you set your priorities with uh, a certain method of managing it, and then all of a sudden have to change all the vehicle allocations or your techniques of what you do out there, completely different to to manage those events. It's a lot of collaboration within our teams, uh, reevaluating the conditions out there and, and adjusting as you need to. So one of the questions that I hear a lot is is crews and how many crews do we have that are actually doing the snow clearing and, and whether those crews work through the night, work through the day, because when we obviously have a big major snowfall event, right? You want to clean up as fast as we possibly can. So I, I know for a fact that we have night crews that work because I can hear the beeping. I woke up in the <laughs> middle of the night to whether go to the washroom or grab a snack or whatever it may be, and I can hear the beeping a of midnight them snack. Yeah, midnight snack. A grilled cheese. A grilled cheese. But I can hear the, the beeping of the crew. So can you give us kind of like what we have in terms of capacity within the department? So, you know, capacity is, is one of those terms that you keep on uh, looking at depending on the environment and the the requirements out in the field. So we're, we're not heavily staffed. We're looking at service levels and, and understanding what our capacities are, which sometimes we, we have to depending on concerns or issues with equipment that uh, we've contracted out services before. So there's different models that are in place and, and we're going to explore that. But yes, we, we definitely look at different shifts, uh, different opportunities. Uh, there's been some changes in laws that, that we have to adapt to, legislation that we look at. So it's a very, uh, very fluid program when it comes out on paper. Um, but unfortunately, Mother Nature usually has a different idea of what her priorities are. Uh, and then we need to see what, what's available and, and adjust in, in uh, an effective manner. Okay, I have a question. 
you've referenced the term service levels. Yes. And so can you maybe explain a little bit about what that means? Because I feel like when we get a major snowfall or snow, people, everybody wants to know, when is my street getting plowed? When is my road yeah. getting plowed? So is, is that what service level means? Well, service level is, is basically uh, what is defined in your, in your bylaw of what the work we, we perform uh, as a municipality and, and to what regularity we provide that service. Um, you know, one of the hot topics that's crossed my desk on a regular basis is uh, windrows. Uh, you okay. know, the creation of windrows. Uh, we're just not staffed or budgeted to remove windrows. And, and therefore, in the budget, it is uh, not incorporated or in the bylaw. Uh, it doesn't mean that it's still not a pinch point with, with the customer base. And when we look at the priorities within uh, an organization, our bylaw specifically speaks to priority areas and shows okay. when we're going to make our best efforts to remove the snow in those areas, right? And by which point. Uh, our bylaw does have some areas that we're trying to look at. For example, it doesn't explain what the strategy is during the event. And I think some of the reasoning to that in the past is, um, from my viewpoint, is it's hard to give what our action abilities are going to be depending on the event. Mm -hmm. And if the event is really strong in a certain aspect, it may change that priority. But uh, ultimately, we try to work on our main road systems, our highways and that, to make sure okay. accessibility in and out of the city is the priority. So that's priority number one. It's snowing well, and it, you're working and on... I, and I don't want to mix up the priorities within the bylaw because we're talking about... Um, during the event. Oh, okay. The so priorities are snowing. stretched to after the event is finished. Okay. Right? So we're just trying to keep the main corridors open, okay. depending on the, you know, how bad the storm is during the event. Once the event is finished, the snowfall stopped, then the policy basically shows that uh, we're expecting to finish this priority within this amount of time and number two priority in this. And it's really detailed to show which areas those are, right? And you mean like specific roads or specific streets? It, it shows the ex, uh, specific roads and streets. It's, it's color-coded so it's easily okay. uh, uh, looked at and, and referenced. And we're, we're exploring those, but it, it's in line with the provincial requirements as well. But the province uses categories, which is a way of describing the type of road that's in place and what level of service that road needs to be maintained to. So our policy is trying to be a little bit more customer friendly in understanding, uh, as sometimes when you look through the Municipal Government Act or, or items like that, it, it's it's a little hard to decipher where where to start and where to end. Mm -hmm. So what I heard you say then is when it is snowing, like when the storm is actually happening, the priority is keep the main corridors open and accessible. But after the snowfall ends, that's when we talk about the different priorities, the different color codes. Absolutely. And so if somebody wanted to know, 
what their road maybe was in terms of this color-coded system or this priority sequence, is that information that they can find online or? It's online on our website. Okay. Uh, and it, and it's, uh, if they have any problems, they definitely can uh, can call us and we'll direct them uh, a little bit better and, and show them uh, exactly where the priorities are. And they're categorized for a reason. They're categorized in that fashion because that's uh, within the provincial uh, okay. requirements through the Municipal Government Act. Okay, that's helpful to know. I'm, I'm going to put you on a little bit on the spot here. In terms of all these priority areas, I mean, we've talked about priority one, priority two, and priority three, and that probably includes your main highways, then includes your, your major roads, and then you probably talk, start talking about back lanes when, when we get into the, the priority three or priority four. Yeah. Um, do you know how many kilometers of road that is that you guys have to plow within our catchment area? So, you know, I, I, <laughs> I, I feel the pressure being pushed on me here. Um, we, we have a large infrastructure here within the city. We have uh, 310 kilometers worth of roadways to maintain. Wow. wow. And, and let's talk about a roadway and a laneway. In order to clear a road properly, at times it takes three passes and each pass is a laneway. So look at that of how much effort it does to, to manage a road system and, and with the resources available, why it takes so much time to actually get to those areas and ensure that it's taken care of appropriately. So, so I feel like we've just been talking about like plowing, right? Yeah. But I know something else that is often raised is the actual clearing of snow banks because when you plow you're building up these snow banks and then eventually the the wonderful roads department comes and and takes the snow away right and so how how does that work like when does the snow bank clearing happen you know we we've had some difficulties uh trying to prioritize that with our portfolio uh we know that within our policy that it says a certain height we uh, we'll go back and we'll remove it and we'll take care of um, those banks to ensure that there's visibility. And unfortunately, when we have a season like we've had so mm-hmm. far, uh, our main priority has been on trying to ensure that we keep those roadways clear uh, and safe for transport. This last event that we did have, we were able to get into the residential areas a lot quicker than Mm -hmm. we have in previous storms and has opened up some capacity and some availability to remove some of these banks. But they're looked at as a priority in in different aspects of line of sight. Um, So everybody may be over their requirements within the bylaw, but we have to prioritize the work to the resources available. So if we find there's line of sight issues and we investigate it, we have people that are out there looking at these things and, and, and managing uh, some of the complaints that, uh, uh, that we experience in those, uh, those areas and then determining with the uh, priorities to keep the roads open on, on where we can fit in this work. I, I also want to point out that our roads team also helps um, our water and wastewater team with with digs and there's mm-hmm. other functions that road team does that that pulls them away from some of these functions so it, it's not as if you know um, winter maintenance is their only function and their only role so depending on those priorities they they get reassigned for sure I also have another kind of question I guess something that I've I've never really heard of 
before. And maybe, maybe we used to do it, but it, it's just something that I think maybe it's because we go from summer to winter to summer and winter, and I forget what happens the last <laughs> winter. But the significant weather event. So I've seen that posted on Facebook twice now. Yeah. Um, so is that something new that the city does, or is that something that we used to do in the past? Well, I don't think it's a tool that's ever been used uh, in Kenora from what I can recollect and from talking to the team here. Uh, I know other communities they use on a regular basis, and and it is a tool within the Municipal Government Act under uh, the road requirements for for snow removal that when you don't feel you're going to be able to hit those maintenance requirements, you want to advise your customers of that. It does give us a little bit more time to catch up and do what we need to. But the main reason for that in, in my portfolio to use is communicating out outwards of mm-hmm. the, the significant impact of the storm on the road conditions and to ensure that they understand the conditions and, and the safety aspects of those roads. The last storm specifically, because of the rain that we got, we were managing the snowfall pretty well. And, and it would have been borderline to call just a significant weather event on the snowfall aspect. But when we married in the rain and how slick the roads were and the drop of 20 degrees uh, in temperature in such a short period of time, we want to ensure our customer base understands the conditions out there. That makes sense. Do we put salt on the roads or just sand? We do use salt, but we only use it as basically a binding agent. So let me go back. <laughs> the, go. The, the, Rewind. The, the program was, uh, was designed before I got here that salt was only used to ensure that uh, the sand would not bind when it was in the equipment so it could spread more easily on the roads. So its capacity to actually do any melting action on the road was minimal. We've done some pilot projects uh, since I've come on board, and uh, one of them was uh, Highway 17 to where beautiful Welcome to Kenora sign is, all the way to the A&W, trying to lay a little bit more uh, salt in those areas, but also ensuring that we're not affecting the environment with the amount of salt that we're putting in, because we're going to explore that, um, as is recommended through Environment Canada or ECCC, to, to ensure that we have a salt management program. So we are looking at pilot projects. We are looking at better ways of, of how we do our business and that we're in line with every stakeholder, provincial and federal requirements uh, and, and that we've dotted our I's and crossed our T's. Well, I, as, uh, as Megan knows, I, I like TikTok quite a bit. <laughs> I've, uh, I've seen, we were talking about the salt and the sand, but what about beet juice? I've seen, I've seen on TikTok yeah. Beet juice yeah. being used. Josh, you are like in the yeah. depths of TikTok. Oh, because yeah. what were you talking before you were talking about the let's get ready to rumble guy and oh, yeah. but you're also watching TikToks on beet juice? Well, yeah. it might not it might not have been TikTok, it might have been Facebook, but I know that there's beet juice out there. I've seen beet juice or something along those lines to to okay. clear the ice. Kevin, we over really to you. Gotta beet expand juice. Your reading. <laughs> <laughs> um it's a pre-wedding. Yeah. Uh, beet juice has actually been explored in many communities and I've seen it in the last community I've been at. Um, it's a it's a wedding agent uh, that can be used on on the roads. Usually it's only usually effective through a certain temperature and it's it's shown to be effective and, and environmentally friendly. Some swear to it that it is the the best thing they've seen since sliced bread. Um, 
I, I'm, I'm not completely convinced. I think it has its application and its uses if, if combined with other, other programs and other techniques. So we've not yet tried beet juice. We have not. But maybe we will, based on Josh Nelson's TikTok I, research. I, I do not think we should try beet <laughs> juice. I just think about cutting beets and my hands Does being it make red. A mess? Yeah, my hands are red when I cut not beets. Not when you cut beets. Well, I don't actually put eat beet beets, juice on the roads. Yeah, it would make a mess for sure. Okay. Okay. So I think we should all end this episode by singing a timeless classic about cold weather by a man named Rob Van Winkle, better known as Vanilla Ice, Ice Ice Baby. Kick it off, Josh. We are not seeing that. We should probably end the episode with right, thanking fine. the road crew for yes, all the hard work that they do. absolutely. Thank you to the road crew. That's much better. Yeah, That's much better. Much better. The road crew and, and everyone else that kind of puts the effort into making sure our roads are cleared and, and the, the we can drive on them and be happy people. Yes. Shout out to the roads crew for and working very, very hard. And I also very, would like hard. to, you know, give a shout out to, you know, our administration staff who, who managed the call volume coming in, trying to, you know, navigate through the concerns our customers are going through and communicating with them. They, they do a lot of great work there, passing those off to the, the managers and, and supervisors to ensure that we can assess our our levels of service in the field and, and be able to do the work we do. So I, I, I want to make sure that it, everybody understands it's a huge team effort mm-hmm. and, and I appreciate every department between fleets, administration, all the way through the organization who helps support to ensure we're successful of what we do. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Kevin. It's always nice to see you and you are our first repeat customer. Our, our first double guest on And you're Waves. also our first person on our mini episodes. That's right. So thank you very much for joining us today. Thank Thanks. you for having me. And if anybody listening has any ideas for topics that they'd like to see covered, either in a longer Waves episode or maybe one of these mini episodes, please email us, podcast at canora.ca. We would love to hear from you. So I think that's it for now. I'll see you both later. Have a good one. Thanks and drive safe.